Welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergio. To learn more about managing all of your e-commerce tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Convergio.com. Our guest today is Jonathan Klammer from Salem Essentials and Apothecary. Would you start a business in a town which, according to the latest consensus, has a population of 135 people? Jonathan Clymer did just that, and his business is doing just fine. Salem Essentials and Apothecary is a brand that aims at making natural products affordable to everyone. And while it exists online, most of its business comes from selling directly to the community. In this episode, we talk to Jonathan about his favorite ways to make sales in places where other businesses are not looking. Jonathan, how are you? Good, good. All right, so let's dive right into it. Just in a few words, can you tell us a bit about Salem Essentials and Apothecary products? Sure, sure. So Salem Essentials and Apothecary is um, a product line or really a company that was uh, sort of envisioned by my partner, Candace Kaufman, and myself. And right now, and uh, we, we, I guess we're in our second year, uh, we sort of started in the fall of 2015, I had experience with Shopify before with other companies that I had worked with. I helped build websites for them and I'd used a Shopify platform. So that part almost seems simple to me. Mm-hmm. Coming up with the products, coming up with the company and our branding was not hard, but it was definitely the fun and the challenge. So like any business, we started off with um, the baby steps of sort of designing and um, creating and curating product lines and uh, and branding and our message and all of those things. Uh, the, the things we started with were um, all natural soaps, sugar scrubs, body scrubs, face scrubs, skin and body and bath products. In a year and a half time, we've learned a ton. And so I would say we still do all of those things, but now it's changed a bit. Um, we're doing more gifty items things that are like bath salts that match up with soaps that match up with bath bombs. We're doing a ton of bath bombs. They're on fire for us right now. It's really great. So it's, it's been kind of a wild year and a half for us in terms of our product line. We, we've had a ton of different inventions and flavors and things, and we've had to pare down and, and go from like 32 flavors down to 16 and constantly tinkering and seeing what's working. So it's been a lot of fun. Why did you move into gifting, if you don't mind me asking? Well, the product line really, it lends itself. There are some things that we make because we're really an all-natural product. There are things that we could do that we could focus on that would be very segmented. We could do things like that would just be for tattoo parlors, things that would protect people's skin that just got a tattoo, for instance. We could be in skincare and salons. We could be in gift shops. We're in women's boutiques. We're in toy stores selling just bath bombs. I'm even in coffee shops and candy stores. So that's kind of the good news that, that we have a product line that, that there's a piece, there's a hook, at least one or many hooks in that product line that, that has appeal within all of those segments. That's also the challenge for us to not you know spin off and get too buried in, into one thing and forget the others. But sure. gift shops in specific, they just tend to carry the widest range of all of that. They tend not to carry this the high-end skincare stuff. 
but they carry all of the bath bombs and the soaps and and various other things that we do. So it, it tends to be a wider line in gift shops. In general, we wanted to be brick and mortar always. And we don't have our own store, but we wanted to do distribution and wholesale with and retail partner with people because quite frankly, we're, we're really on a shoestring. I'd love to be able to devote a lot of time into SEO and in $10,000 a month into AdWords and protect certain keywords and go after them, you know, tenaciously. But I, you know, with 30 million websites coming online all the time, we feel that for us, our story is best said one-on-one being that buy local company in our area and then growing out from there. And what we're seeing with Shopify is that all of our, you know, a large majority of our sales are really, you could just connect the dots that these are, these are customers that went local first and then became our fan and found us online. So that part's working for us. I want to revisit, I'll revisit that a little bit later. I have a couple questions about just knowing where to niche in, but to take us back to the beginning at the moment, how did it start? It sounds like you had some experience maybe doing some dev work first and then you and your partner just decided let's start a business or how to take us back to those like beginning <laughs> days. Yeah. Um, so I would say that I'm kind of a jack of all trades to a great degree and, and my even my family were kind of hippies and always doing their own thing. They were always entrepreneurial artists and always had their own businesses. Uh, Candace, in the same way, her family was always self-starters and doing their own thing. Both of us left and kind of entered the corporate world in our own way. I, I was doing tech writing initially, and I was in IT, yes. So you kind of picked up on that a little bit. I, I have a bit of a technical background. I worked for... Um, companies in, in healthcare and in skincare and dermatology. She did more marketing. Her degree was in marketing. Um, and so she found herself um, also in a skincare dermatological place as well. We ended up in the same place, connected that way. This was a company that also built consumer products like sunscreen. So we found ourselves on that on the marketing end and on the technology end, um, working for them. And Basically, uh, you know, through that whole time, that rapport that was building there, we realized that both of us really separately and, and together wanted to do something on our own at one point. We wanted to venture our DNA to, I think, do our own thing. Learned a lot being in cubes, learned a lot in big companies, small companies. Frankly, I've learned stuff from selling shoes, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I can, I can relate. What about now? How big is the, the team that you're running? It's an army of two. It's about to be an army of four. <laughs> so Candace and I, uh, yeah, we, we work pretty much tirelessly, either developing products, making products, selling products, marketing products, doing bookkeeping, really the same pillars that any young startup has to care about, which is their actual product and then their sales strategy and then their bookkeeping. Those three pillars are the, the three that can keep you really busy. We're fortunate to have a shop at this point uh, with a lot of room that we can expand and grow. Um, it has access for you know 18-wheelers to even to pull up. So we're starting to find ourselves into a situation where we're going to need palletized you know, t- tonnage of certain raw material, which is great. Um, we're finding ourselves in a position where we'll be definitely having crews helping us make. We kind of have uh, two people that are learning how to make a good majority of what we do. And so hopefully, you know, that can grow out to where we can 
hire in, you know, small crews, two and three, you know, shifts a week and, and, and just bust out a lot of product and then pick from that group as we grow is to bring in people full time. Right now, we don't have anyone full time. We're just kind of piecemealing it together. This is also true on the sales side. We we have sales positions and we're using people to help get more distribution for us, but they're not full time. Um, we're just putting it all together as, as best we can. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. All right. So I want to take you back to the very beginning. How did you make your very first sale? <laughs> um, well, let's see. There's always um, a start, right? There's always, yeah, so there's always the beginning. Beyond, you know, some of the family friends that tried our stuff and liked it, the, the first real effort was putting our items into some consignment stores that were local to us that we could sort of nurture what was going on there and maintain it and get a lot of feedback from customers. Mm-hmm. So we started at consignment stores literally last February that were you know, within the 20-mile radius to where we, we live and operate, kind of in the Winston-Salem, Greensboro, Piedmont Triad area of North Carolina, which is a great place to be for, for retail and for gift shops and stuff. There's actually, it's really quite healthy there. So we've had a lot of opportunities to find stores to partner with. Now, a year later, we're in 35 stores in North Carolina, and it's going really well. The, the consignment way was a good way initially where we kind of rent booth space and we put in things that we thought would work. And some of the items that were working best for us are some of our soaps are really unique. They're like tobacco floral fragrances. So uh, they've really worked out. You can't really get that online. That's, that is the problem too with things like fragrance. There's no way to scratch and sniff the screen. It's true. <laughs> if only. It's true. Yeah. Do you remember a couple, I think it was just a couple of years ago, Google did that April Fool's Day where they had, they, they were like, we're developing a scratch and sniff website. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. It was, that's, it was clever. Yeah, our son clever. was like, I feel like he, I think he was like six or something at the time. And we we're like, Isaiah, check this out. And tried showing him and he, he fell for it. So it was pretty funny. Yes, man, many a piece of glass was scratched on that day. <laughs> So right on. All right. So you guys define yourselves as a brand that makes natural products affordable to everyone. Why is this mission important to you? Honestly, you know, I want to be able to sleep well at night knowing that the items that I labor over are giving people joy and are also giving people benefit. Again, I think some of the background that I had with with healthcare and skincare kind of make it a bigger priority to me that our stuff is not just pretty. But the truth is, in in this industry, it really is very much about visual. It has to be aesthetically pleasing. And then it has to be, the fragrance choice has to match up with that person, that potential customer, which is very much a personal thing. But my kind of off, <laughs> off tagline is I trick people into naturals because we try to make things that really are pretty and aesthetic, you know, but there's so many brands out there that are just pretty. And if you look at their ingredients, it's not so pretty. What you'd see, there is a lot of chemicals that are really there for the benefit of the product so that they can do mass distribution, keep items you know, on shelves for two and three year time periods, and that the product's consistency. I mean, they all, I don't mean it to sound so negative and menacing. It's, it's all for the good that the product be consistent every time you get it. It's color is the same. It's fragrance is the same. It's feel and it's 
aesthetic, you know, is all the same. That's why companies do that. But there is such a downside to that in terms of the risk to your skin or to your health on some of the things that they use. So we really want to do things that actually perform well. Uh, we have people that that buy some of our products that, that have psoriasis or eczema, skin issues that then will bring them back to their doctor and their doctor will say, I don't know what you've been doing, but keep doing it. <laughs> I like that our stuff is, is a great gift. It's a fun gift, but usually the recipient ends up being a fan. They find us and they want to buy and buy us persistently. And that's working for us too, for retailers, because we go in and we always expand the line. They're always reordering and they're always, we're always expanding into, into new opportunities with these stores. So it's been very healthy for us. So I, we're doing the right things in terms of the quality of the product. Sort of as I started in the answer, I'm, I can sleep well at night. I, I'm, I'm tricking people into naturals and I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So among so many other apothecary brands on the market, probably competing for the piece of the pie, how do you think your brand stands out? How is it different? We're so small, we're so invisible, you know, to so many markets, and that's okay. It's kind of like, you know, being a barista, you know, trying to fight against, uh, you know, if you want to use the term fight, but go up against big guys like McDonald's and, you know, uh, Starbucks. Sure, I have, I have goals. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to expand and grow my distribution and be big. There is so much room. Honestly, I think, I think too, what happened, you know, 10 years ago almost with real estate and banking and the big banking crisis and all that, commercially, a lot of commercial space sort of opened up. And it's funny, we noticed all of these local independent little women's boutiques and gift shops all of a sudden sort of popping up in places where they really shouldn't normally be, where they probably couldn't have afforded those rents in, in 2005. So in a way, like we've kind of found, we found a way to do this because I think the market allowed that. You could say the same story about e-commerce too, that e-commerce has just blown up because of its availability and approachability for the average person to pretty much work with a framework and put together a pretty decent site. So yeah, it, there's a, it's a crowded space for sure. But if you have your story and you're motivated and you like what you're doing, then it really doesn't matter. You'll find an entry and you'll grow organically at whatever pace <laughs> you, you can afford to do. So that's what we found for us. Yeah. But what advice do you have for some of our listeners who, you know, and I, and I agree with you with everything you said, but sometimes people might feel like really everything there is to do has already been done. Like this is super crowded. There's no way for me to even get a small piece. Do you have, what advice do you have for them? So I think the absolute, the answer to that, the counterpoint to what you said is, but no one knows your story. Um, so if you have a story and if you are passionate about what you're doing, then you have every right to believe that that story is worth telling. You do have to understand the market you're going into. I worry, you know, when I hear people talk about, there's this, you know, population of people who, seem to just want to be, uh, for lack of a better word, sort of lazy about what it is. They want to get in on something. Oh, they've read they can make money at night or, you know, I, I could sell on eBay and I can drop ship. And you can, you can make money doing all of those things. But again, I think it's really important that you match your efforts 
with your ideas. And, and then the more you can make it your own, the more you can personalize it, the better I think the probability goes up for you and the more you put time into it. But if you want to just find a, a get-rich-quick scheme, there's never been one of those. Uh, and, it doesn't and, exist. Yeah, it, 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 it won't exist. exist in anything you do, whether it's selling soap yeah. or selling derivatives or whatever. I mean, there's just no quick way on anything. You've got to put your effort into it. But I think if you've got a real story and you're genuine and you and you're passionate about it, you still have to then decide what do I make or what am I going to sell? What do I care about? What am I aligned with? And then you have to find your channels. I mean, I'd love it if things were like they were 15 years ago. I could just build a website and all of a sudden I'd have a million dollars overnight because I'd have this website. But it's so crowded online that it's not impossible, but you really have to understand your channels. Like So for us, like I said, we, we value going into local independent retailer relationships and distribution and wholesale first because it really serves two purposes for us. I mean, it is marketing to a great degree. We get our product in front of a lot of foot traffic and there's a ton of people who just love to shop. They still like brick and mortar. They want to find that thing. They're curious. They want to go to a store they haven't been to and find things they've never seen. And I don't think that one will ever be better than the other. I don't think e-commerce will ever eclipse brick and mortar and brick and mortar won't come back and kill the website they'll always have a hand-in-hand hand sort of yin-yang. But for us, because of our cash and our, our pinch, you know, our pain points, that was the best way to go, was to get in front of people. So I would just say be tenacious, be passionate, learn, research, be careful, <laughs> think it through, do a business plan, take those things mm -hmm. seriously, because in the end, it really is a business, and you have to balance your books in the end, or else you're not going to make money. So to go along, that's a, a good lead way or a segue into what I wanted to ask you earlier. With this research, and then also by default of you saying having your product in so many different places, by the nature of who you are, having a lot of things that you happen to be good at, what factors help you decide this is something we're going to go after and this is how we're going to define the company versus those pieces that you could and you decide that this is something I'm not going to go after and we're not going to go out define the company in this way. Right. I don't have master's degrees in business and so I'm sure all of this has already been talked about, written about by PhDs and studied by folks out in Cupertino that you know are, are much better at being hipster than I am. So, you know, I kind of walk into my, my business knowledge is a, a lot of idiot savant in the mix <laughs> or things that I probably could have learned if I studied them. But point in all of that is, is that it eludes me what the real math is. But there's an equation out there for sure that that you have to be sensitive to as a person who creates things and a maker and interested in making things because you could spend your whole day making and creating and all of it could be wonderful. But if you want to recreate it and sell it commercially, meaning repeat it and make it <laughs> like make it consistently good all the time and send it and distribute it out and sell it, you really do have to focus down on things. And so this time last year, we had 32 different soaps. Now we have 16. And it's not because 16 of them sucked. <laughs> it's because 16 of them seem to really get someone's attention they'd either be like man i hate that or man i love that and the other 16 were like oh i like that <laughs> mm -hmm. and what we found is is that 
very rarely did someone buy the one that was, oh, I like that, because they'd find the one that they go, oh, I love that. <laughs> so I think part of the answer to your question really is, is that you have to be passionate about what you're making and enjoy it, but you have to be completely, severely dispassionate about those products once you decide to sell them. You have to treat them almost like numbers on a spreadsheet to a great degree, and you have to, you have to analyze their performance. You have to listen to people and see what, what turns them on and how they talk about it. Soaps, things with fragrance, bath bombs, those items. And the, the other items do this too. Food does this. It definitely registers emotional connection with people. You can tell when they found their favorite. They light up. They smile. They found something. And they, even the words they use to describe it, it doesn't matter what the fragrance is or the, the item. Almost everyone uses the word, I don't know. I just, I, it's so clean. <laughs> like they all think the thing they like the most is clean to them for whatever reason. So you can almost tell when it, when it connects with someone. So you have to build things for you, things that excite you. And then you put it out in the world and see it if it excites other people and why it excites them and learn about demographics. Does it excite millennials? Does it excite Gen X's like me? Where, when, how? Ask those questions, be analytical, research and dig into some numbers before you decide to sell it. <laughs> yeah. Well, before you decide yeah. to make the jump and really investing into, you know, blowing it out. Mm -hmm. So again, that's how we kind of did the, we kind of thought about doing things in the way of consignment and be local because it was a great way to beta test stuff for us so that we'd have confidence. I could walk into a store and not just be, you know, selling snake oil. I could be confident and authentic about what really works. And, and I think that comes across because I'm not a great salesman. <laughs> it's not what I was born to do. But, but I think, right. I mean, so you have, to, you have to be telling the truth, A, and you have to be informative and knowledgeable, B. And if you're those two things, all of a sudden, believe it or not, you're a great salesman. <laughs> And so that you know, I'm always seeking the truth. I'm always seeking something that I, that I can be informative and share some information with, but also be telling someone something that I really believe. And then if you do those things, it's amazing how many doors can open. Yeah. No, I think that's a really valid point. I've heard those arguments before, both of like you can typically be more successful when you niche down and then especially finding things on the fringes that either make people mad or that they fall in love with and then you usually know you're doing something right. For me, I run a, an e-commerce agency. We've put together a really awesome team and there's a lot of things that we could do, but we have to be very selective about what services we're going to offer and that type of thing. And so being able to pick other uh, business owners and entrepreneurs' brain on that question in particular, I always find really interesting because it's something we struggle with as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you bring this the conversation back around solely to e-commerce and apps and the experience of a person like myself who is a store owner of a Shopify site and what apps do I value and why do I value them? Those things, I would say, too, as, as a person who's a consumer of those, of those connectors and those pieces that I'm trying to make a great user experience for my end, for my store, but, you know, I don't Java and I don't code and, gosh, I can't put all that together. So I can see that within the successful offerings, too, those apps, the people that really are great at that thing they're doing and really focus on it, whether it's that they're doing reviews or whether they're doing that end experience, the receipt, like Conversio does. I mean, it's, they really, they just, they, 
they steep in what that should be. What is that experience? What can we benefit from? And there are things in those apps, too, that <laughs> the other side of that coin, it's funny. I mean, you can almost tell when someone is reaching too much and they want to add in a lot of bells and whistles and make it as great as possible. And somewhere in their product, if, if they have a product manager, their product manager may may not be on the ground and really understanding well, why does Jonathan go into stores and why does he want to do retail? He has an online website. Why isn't he rocking it online? I could again, but I, I feel like I'm up against a whole other, I, it's a whole other strategy. So it's not that, that I won't or that I'm not interested in it, but I've gone this path. It might not be the best path, but it's the path I've chosen. So even with these great apps, there's often like 30% of the bells and whistles that just may not align with your customer. And it's not because they didn't like them or, or they weren't well coded. It just doesn't speak to them. It doesn't speak to their path. And so you kind of have to ask yourself, like, how does that company listen to those people too? Because other than MailChimp and asking and inbound and, and blogging, it must be hard to understand, like, well, why aren't they connecting with that new feature that we had? <laughs> is it that they don't understand it? Are we not telling them enough? Or is it just not in their in their funnel, in their reality funnel. Like they just don't, that's not a feature that today they will use. I know that for me, there are apps that I use, even though I, I use a loyalty app. My traffic is pretty low still. And so I'm paying for a loyalty app and, and it's not necessarily paying for itself because I'm, I don't have a, that many sales and traffic that I could say the RRI really pays for it. But I know over time, I know all my numbers are going up and I know it's going to pay for itself. And I know it's the app that I most value in that little space. So I keep it because it's part of the experience I want all of my customers to have all the time. Mm -hmm. So I can make those kinds of decisions. And that I, I know as I grow, I'm going to care a lot more about things that I currently don't have on the site. So and what's the so kind of uh, interesting. What, what are some of your favorite Shopify apps? And it's okay if you want to mention the, the loyalty app. But really, we, we feel that, you know, there's no competition. It's, it's not a matter of competing. We really want the best for our listeners. And even if the, the app that you mentioned, what, what are your favorites that have, that have worked for you so far? There are some that I would take with me anywhere, no matter what, no matter what website I build, I would always always use. And then there are some that really matter for what kind of website you're building. For instance, I, I really like Yachtpo. I think Yachtpo does a great job with reviews. That's another situation where my traffic almost doesn't warrant it, but I am getting plenty of reviews considering the size of my traffic. So my, my metrics are right. You know, my conversions and clicks are right for the kind of traffic I'm at. So as I scale up, it'll just get better. Yachtpo's great. That's a great example of someone who understands what it is that they're trying to do and they do it really well. They also have still to this day, they've grown super massive from what I understand, and they still seem to answer their phone. They still seem to give good customer support. That's really key. There are some examples of apps out there that I, I, I would say that they have grown and, and they have not grown their support with it. And that's not so great. But I very much value Conversio. Receiptful was, the, I think, the original name when I bought it. It does a wildly, it's such an opportunity that it's that mail that everyone generally opens. You generally look at your invoice, your receipt. I mean, you don't throw it in the trash. You don't delete it or let it go to spam. 
it's a wildly good place to try to talk to people. It's, it's a handshake back of a, a confirmation of your order. It's the perfect time to talk to them and gain a little trust. So it's a wonderful app and it's really well thought out in terms of the sorts of ways you can you can talk, whether it's the affiliate sort of, you know, refer a friend side of it or whether it's, you know, trying to make social connections and, and likes and follows. And I would say the same thing, you know, again, my my traffic, I think as I scale up in traffic, it's only going to get better for me to use those two apps. I do uh, recurring orders on on my products. And I have some, I have recurring orders that I that do work out, but again, my traffic is low, so I'm looking forward to the traffic going up and really taking advantage of that. I and use, you use recharge a loyalty for that, app, right? Recharge. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, loyalty lion, really good. I very much like loyalty lion. I, I think for me, the recharge, loyalty lion, um, conversio, and yapo are sort of like go-to's for sure. What about favorite methods to advertise your brand and products online? on a budget. Facebook and Instagram are really about sharing with people and connecting and letting people relate and talk and and tell their tell their story and listen to your story and relate to you. It seems at least for for, for what I do, it seems to be terrible for treating it like a, an opportunity to have people buy. So it doesn't work for me in that way. I don't try to click people in for you know landing pages for buying opportunities or add to carts um, with with social media, but we but our people very much like to talk to us and give feedback about our products and see what we're coming up with. So social media has worked for us to just share. And then I have done some AdWords campaigns that have been helpful and successful and they've kind of met what I thought they would in terms of their target. But I really can't afford to do that right now all the time. So I think AdWords is actually worth it. I, I, I believe in it. If you, it's, you have to understand it. It's very complex. And you have to segment and be very niche and, and just go after very specific things or else you're going to blow out your budget. But then, honestly, I, I just I can't imagine if TV ever goes away and everything turns into Netflix and, and streaming, <laughs> that'll be a terrible thing because we were on a local news channel that they featured us. And TV is just amazing. We're on this local news channel for like a, a two-minute segment. And our phone lit up, our website lit up. It was incredible how, how quickly and how powerful that, that was. So people still watch TV. It's definitely not necessarily millennials, but <laughs> but it, it works. TV definitely works. It's very expensive. So for us, marketing and advertising and spending on those things, it's just not something we can we can even fathom yet to budget for. But when we do, we would do a mixture of events, online advertising, I do a lot of blogging. I want to build inbound. But honestly, a lot of that I really care about more for, for B2B. I'm starting to build a B2B website so that I can do my wholesale orders that way. And I would devote more money and more resources to all of the above for that than I would for my consumer-facing site. Because I just, I think I, that message would really, I know how to make that message work. How did you get the spot on, on TV, by the way? I don't know if I missed that. Oh, um, all things. This is a really crazy story, but I was Ubering <laughs> to pay the bills. I was I was an Uber driver. <laughs> One Friday night, a fairly tipsy two girls get in the back of the of the car, and I had some soap and some products in the car, and the car must have smelled like coconut and yummy or whatever. <laughs> and one thing led to another, and I handed them a bar of soap, and they said, oh, I work for the local news channel, and we do segments on, um, she called it a mink, 
which was, uh, I think it was a mink, right? Anyways, something about, yeah, locally sourced uh, startups. And, and there was a segment for that. And she connected us in to, um, to the guy who produces those little segments. And sure enough, it worked out. Yeah, it's amazing. Lesson learned. Give away your samples because you never know, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. I'm not endorsing or non-endorsing Uber, but yes, they had a role in it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. So where do you see or where do you hope to see Salem Essentials and Apothecary in the future? So goal for this year is to is to add 10 stores a month in the U.S. And next year I want to be at, at Atlanta Mart which Atlanta Mart is essentially the, the apparel and gift industry's big show that's in Atlanta. It's twice a year. They do another one in Las Vegas. I'd like to be out in the West in Las Vegas a year after that uh, and showcasing in both of those locations and be building my distribution up and building some sales force to do that so that I have enough money to work with to really have a budget for cash flows that I can build up the kind of money to nurture what I want to do online too. Um, I want my online sales to be at least 15% of what my normal revenue is. I'd love it to be more, but if I can keep it at 15 to 20% of my normal revenue, then that would be great. And so I just want to grow my revenue out. I'd, I'd like to be a million dollar company maybe in three years. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. It was uh, wonderful getting to know about your business and about you. Thank you for that. Well, yeah, thank you for, for finding me. And uh, if you ever need an Uber ride, maybe you can get a free bar of soap. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> but it was a we'll pleasure. you up when I'm in the area. <laughs> Perfect. And then where's the best place for, for people to check out your company? Let's see. So uh, I have a store locator. So you could go in SalemEssentials.com and on our store locator and, and find some of those locations. I'm adding kind of fiercely, so I have to update that store locator. But right now we're really in in stores in towns in North Carolina. So whether it's Charlotte or Greensboro, Winston-Salem or Raleigh or any points in between some of the smaller towns, we try to be in a gift a gift shop or a, or a women's boutique or, or a candy shop uh, somewhere in, in the in North Carolina area. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, nice meeting you both. Thank you. One Stop Shop is a production of Convergio. Learn how to manage all of the marketing tools, channels, and strategies that you need from one dashboard by visiting Convergio.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Come Alive Creative. For help building, improving, and marketing your e-commerce store, visit ComeAliveCreative.com. To listen to more episodes or to give us a rating, please visit Convergio.com forward slash iTunes.